The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that 9 out of 10 armadillos agree that Fael is the worst? Jeff is the 10th. Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> <laughs> For more armadillo facts, to unlock bonus content, and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash club. Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there. Welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 14 through 17 of Crown of Swords, book 7 of The Wheel of Time. Previously, we get Gareth Bryan's great big reveal, which is that Rand has bowed to a light in the White Tower. Now, of course, Egwene shuts that right down. But also, Jeff got a big old boner because his special sweet boy Lan is back. <laughs> It was a normal boner. <laughs> Jeff, all of your boners are huge. Don't, don't be modest. You're right, you're right. In an absolute sense. Yeah. Uh, armadillo boners are just enormous. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, Lan, of course, is just as badass as ever with a little extra dash of, you know, that courting death like a suitor courts a maiden thing, because now I guess he doesn't care about dying. Right, like he sends death chocolates and he, you know, compliments death. On its hairstyle. Yeah, maybe cat calls death on the street, but like in a tasteful way, you know? <laughs> right, but yeah, because they have an established relationship. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but, you know, more so than usual, because I guess that was a thing he did before, but now he's like really extra death courting. Yeah. Uh, Egwene immediately sends him off after Nynaeve, presumably as some sort of sadistic joke, because she doesn't heal that hickey that Mirel left on his neck. That dude is fucked. <laughs> oh my god, that's right! <laughs> Speaking of Nynaeve, we pick up with NDA and Ebudar as they decide to use Matt's Taveran luck to fish out their magic wind bucket or whatever. Uh, they also <laughs> meet up with the Queen of the Sea Folk to strike up an alliance, which would have been great, except they didn't count on the Sea Queen's business acumen, and they'll be lucky if Elaine doesn't have to sign over half of Andor to get them to sign on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although the sea folk probably wouldn't want Andor, right? It doesn't. It's landlocked, isn't it? Yeah, and they, then they'd be the land and sea folk. I mean, it's no surf and turf. <laughs> the, the surf and turf folk. <laughs> so, one of our readers, a couple of our readers, actually have brought up uh, our treatment of Fael, <laughs> and they feel that we are being a little extra negative to Fael. And one of them had what I thought was a pretty good point. Which is that Perrin, in a lot of these situations, is reacting to how Fael feels because he can smell her emotions with his wolf smell. Right. And not necessarily to how she acts. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, if someone can read your mind, they're going to read a lot of things that they don't necessarily want to know, right? So Perrin has, has no barrier between what he's detecting and what the person is expressing. Yeah. So that's a, that's a fair point. Yeah, I'm not 100% sold on it, though, because... If you just look at Fael's actions, she's still pretty rough. That's kind of what I was going to... That, that was my only counter, is that, like, yes, Fael's emotions are something that she doesn't necessarily have control. But her actions, where she's hitting Perrin, or using her claws to... her, her Sorry, her claws. Her, her nails to <laughs> scrape talons. him. To, her talons to tear at his flesh when she's angry at him. And uh, the refusing fact to say goodbye to him when she knows he's he might he might die. Yeah, those are mm -hmm. things that she does, which I 
have a little bit more trouble like forgiving that kind of thing. But but uh, to to that that person's point, we do give her a lot of shit for the things that parents detecting. If that's even right, right? Like we're giving parent a lot of credit. We we're, yeah. He, how many people has he actually smelled with his wolf smells? Not that many. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe what he's detecting in Fayola not actually her emotions. Maybe she's just like chill as a cucumber, but he's like ooh. Oh, she smells angry. She's like, no, I'm not angry. It's like, you right. smell angry. Maybe she has angry farts. My son's <laughs> farts smell very angry. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. He thinks she's really upset, but she's just, you know, tuned. Yeah. What did she have for lunch? Yeah, there you go. It's all day and ice peppers. <laughs> <laughs> they make for angry farts. And somebody else brought up a point, too. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but going into... Um, like the culture she comes from and the land, the kind of land that Saldia is. And I didn't necessarily agree with that, but I think that all these different interesting points we're getting and all this good discussion we're having is um, an homage to Robert Jordan. I think he would appreciate that. And I think it speaks well to the complexity of his characters. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That, the, you know, the, there are layers of, to all of these people and, mm-hmm. and the way that they feel. And I don't think that, yeah, there's, there's, there are none of them who are, you know, straight evil, straight good kind of thing. You know? Yeah. But well, there's a lot that are straight evil. No, none of them. <laughs> there's a lot that aren't. Remember Asmodian, you know, like he was evil, but he was also kind of, you know, Michael Jackson. <laughs> we appreciate Thriller. He was just into music. <laughs> you can't be all bad if you're into music, right? Look, can you appreciate the music and like dislike the artist? I think so, right? <laughs> so chapter 14, White Plumes, Icon of the Dice. Matt! More Matt. Matt. Matt's back. Yeah. yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. This is great. We find our intrepid hero, Matt, yet again at the coolest fucking party. <laughs> like, if you ever magically find yourself in the land of Robert Jordan, the best possible decision you can make is to join Matt on one of his vendors. Like, it just just make sure you never gamble with him. Yeah. Don't gamble against him. Uh, some of the people he hangs out with die. Occasionally, you like, know. I mean, like, one in ten. You know, it's a pretty high rate. But the parties are great. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like if you're, like, under Matt's you know, protection or whatever, then his luck seems to extend. Like, like his soldiers generally do all right, right? Generally. Yeah. Generally. <laughs> generally. They yeah, win. In general. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's at the racetrack. Yeah. Uh, like a ritzy racetrack. Uh, the Silver Circuit. Yeah. And uh, this is, he's at the ritzy part of the racetrack where all the rich people are. If I understand correctly, because you know, Matt's talked about this in the past, horse racing is a place where his luck is less able to affect things like dice rolling yeah it's like straight up mm-hmm. and then, horse racing is based more on skill and the talent of the horse and the rider and, and and remember too that he and his dad were well known back in the two rivers for being really good at horses <laughs> yeah the horse I, traders. I, good I, judges of horse flesh there you go <laughs> judges of horse flesh <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean when you you know it reads fine but when you say that out loud fine eye for horse flesh <laughs> Sounds weird. That does sound a little weird. But we get some really fun world building here. Do you think Robert Jordan just really enjoyed riding Matt? I think he does, You yeah. get the feeling, right? Matt has the most fun, right? Like, he does. It seems like he's getting up to the, the cool stuff most of the time. And Matt it's doesn't... super cool learning about these different people, too, and the different jobs. Like, there's an Ebudari women who are bookies, mm-hmm. but they have an open book embroidered on the breast of her red vest which came from a long time past yeah but the the ebudari people don't know that but matt knows that because he's got all these ancient memories i know it's so much fun so you get snapshots of what's going on then and then you also get whatever the fuck is going on in matt's head from long ago so how fun is that yeah yeah it's really it's really cool and uh i think part of it is that matt is always irreverent you know he doesn't he feels responsibility but grudgingly you know Mm -hmm. yeah as opposed to perrin who's very you know duty focused and rand who's whatever he's all over the place yeah 
you know, got the the wizard talking in his head. But, but Matt's here at the racetrack, not because it's his duty that brings him to the racetrack, but because he had some time to kill and he wanted to go to the racetrack. Yeah. And, you know, even though his luck isn't working for him, as Alice mentioned, he is able to judge horses very well, so that works, works to his advantage yeah. anyway. And Ulver is racing. That's right. He's got he's got Ulver as a, I guess, a jockey. Jockey, yeah. yeah. Which a little seems a little unfair. He's a kid, right? I think they're all kids. Are they all kids? I think they say that all the, the riders are kids in this. Oh, uh, okay. Kind of dangerous, but you know. Do you ever get the feeling that the Two Rivers people are kind of like overly good at everything? Like they're a race of superhumans or something? Because like if you're from the Two Rivers, you're going to be amazing. You're going to be an amazing archer. You're going to be amazing with the long staff. You're going to yeah. be amazing at horses or yeah. whatever. Like they're and, like the best of the best. And they don't even have a library there, right? They don't. They don't have a... They don't have a military organization there. Yeah, no. but, but even like but, the old men are really good at fighting. Yeah, but they do have the blood of Menetherin. Uh, I think that's the idea. That that's the Menethrin, it. Yeah, just the blood of Menetherin makes them sort of these yeah. these salt, superhumans, sort of like the Aiel, I guess, or, right? Or as we think of them, backwater Meneth heads. <laughs> <laughs> I had actually totally forgotten about the whole blood of Menetherin thing. So. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's where Matt gets all his memories. I think they're all from his ancestors oh. throughout oh, the ages and all his ancestors. Well... Just those of his ancestors who were like military types, right? Yeah, which apparently there were several of them. Yeah. I don't know if it's supposed to be his ancestors or not. Well, I mean, you go back a few generations, you have a whole lot of ancestors, right? Yeah. So maybe. Like, aren't we all descended from Genghis Khan or something crazy like that? Yeah. Yeah. His So maybe not his. It could be his ancestors or it could be his previous incarnations. Both are things that happen in this. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. But you, you know, you're right. Like, the, the Two Rivers people, or specifically the Emmons Field people, are just special, mm-hmm. and I. They're just I, better than yeah. everyone else. Yeah, you, you just brought it up, and I never really thought about it. But yeah, why are they just better than everybody else? They're just farmers, right? Mm-hmm. They also have the best tobacco or tobacco or whatever. Right. Yeah. But you can. But that's probably because the soil is good or whatever, and the mountains of mist because of all the bodies from the Battle of Emmons Field. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I, you know, it's just sort of. I always felt that way about Emmons Field is that it, it's idyllic. You know, it's like the perfect place. You know how J.R.R. Tolkien, sorry to that reader who hates it when we talk about <laughs> Tolkien. Uh, you know how J.R.R. Tolkien has the Shire as like just his imagined version of, of the most perfect place you could possibly live. Like mm-hmm. utter comfort, right? Yeah. yeah That's New what Zealand. Emmons Field is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Matt, he's trying to enjoy himself, but he's stressing out about Nynaeve's detective agency who are sneaking around. And he's sent his soldiers, and he sent Tom and Jewel in to try and track them and keep an eye on them, keep them out of trouble. Uh, but he can't. They, they can't find them. Somehow they're getting away from them. I, I was identifying with Matt here, because like, he's just trying to keep these people alive. And as the mother of a toddler, like I was feeling <laughs> some pangs of sympathy for him. It's like, God damn it, I'm trying to keep you alive. Why are you eating acorns? <laughs> as NDA often does. <laughs> like, what's up on the ground? I'm going to put it in my mouth. God damn it, Nani, you stop that. <laughs> There's a trap. Gonna go string, uh, snap it. No, what's it called? What is it called? You do what do you do with the trap? Uh, spring it. it. You spring it. Yeah, yeah. gotta go okay. spring that trap. Spring that trap. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot that Tom and Julian were there. Yeah. Oh, I f- I'm sad about that. That they've not been used more. Well, mm-hmm. I, I, like we're it's something we discussed before. We're getting to this point where there are so many characters that we're we're losing track of where they are, what they're doing. Because we haven't touched base with some of them in a very long time. Yeah. I miss Tom. Yeah, that bums Tom me in out. particular. He was a major character. I, a really 
likable major character. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed him. We have, and we haven't seen him really in. But he like, hasn't even showed up here yet. Just Julian yeah. has mentioned him, right? Right. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh well. Hopefully we get more of them. I think yeah. Bergeron's overwhelmed. I think you're right. It's just yeah. a lot of people to keep track of. In the crowd, Matt spies that dark friend who tried to knife him in the Eye of the World. Yeah. Speaking of characters coming back. Yeah, I was like, that's a hell of a callback. That was like, was that the first book or the yeah, second book? Yeah, that was book one the when they were is, on the I road to Gamelon. I remember that. I do remember that event when they mentioned it. At first when they were, he was like, this Vulpin woman. I was like, I don't remember any. Who are they alluding to here? I have no idea. Because <laughs> he does that. He'll do like little allusions where he's like, he describes a feature that he's described of this person previously and somehow we're supposed to remember but in this case at least he clears that for us <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah and she's the one with the magic knife that yeah, the fire dagger in the barn with the magic knife it's like the game of clue <laughs> right <laughs> the dark friend with the knife in the barn <laughs> um, so and, of course Matt decides to go after her because that's what you should do right right look up to go follow her because <laughs> despite being like the greatest general of the age he's really not one for plans yes <laughs> um and of course he wins his bet on the horse. Of right? course. And he doesn't even pay attention. He's just like, yeah, yeah, bet it all on that one. <laughs> Give me my money later. <laughs> I want to point out he had had fine times in stables with many a young woman and some not so young. So. You know, Matt, Matt is egalitarian with his, like, his, his hounding, you know? Yeah. You know, I'm not going to slut shame Matt, but he's kind of a slut. <laughs> Send <laughs> I mean, your hate mail. You know, yeah, he is. <laughs> he totally is, Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so he follows her into the city, and uh, there's a kind of really cool chase scene. It is cool. He's following her through this really well-described crowd, and he's, she's got white plumes on her hat that he's following as they bob around, and he's constantly jumping up on things to look around. You could really see it. I was totally envisioning it. It's so cinematic. And I love that as he's doing this, he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I actually catch her. It's like, <laughs> what are you going to do, knife her in the street? I mean, come <laughs> on, right? That's the plan here, bro. Getting no a quarterstaff fight with her. That's what I do with everybody. Yeah. I mean, it usually works out, so I mean... Dixie might end up having sex with her. <laughs> That's a, a fair point. If it's James Bond. <laughs> Matt is the the James Bond of the, of yeah, the and Robert Jordan series. As part of tracking, I'm sure it's not going to come up again, uh, he buys a random ring from somebody in a stall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. It's just like, oh, this is not going to come up later, right? This, oh, I buy a ring. I don't look at it. Oh, it gets stuck on my finger. Huh. Well... Oh, oh, it came off, right? I was, oh, I already bought it. Too late. Oh, it's think... engraved with symbolism. <laughs> yeah, it's like you find out it's engraved with a fox that has scared two birds out of hiding. Like, And it's surrounded by crescents. And how much do you want to bet that there are nine crescents? Oh, my God. The nine moons. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you might be right. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. I love this because I feel like if I had this Matt's power of luckiness, I would be thinking about it all the time and trying to apply it. Yeah. But I don't think it would work because that's not how luck works, yep. you know? But Matt... He just doesn't care. He's kind of the perfect person to have gotten all this stuff. Like, he's a good general. He's... Yeah, right? He's always taking everything. crazy chances without thinking about it. Yeah, it works really well for him. Like, he, he has to stumble around because otherwise his luck... If you were trying to plan and, like, do all these things, his luck can influence, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, anyway, it tracks her to a palace, which turns out is Jayachim Karadin's palace. Yeah, our white-cloaked white dark friend. Yeah. The evil dark... Dark-cloaked white friend? White yeah, friend. wait. <laughs> wait. White dark-cloaked friend? White friend, dark-cloak. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, so he's, but he's also the one who's been uh, running these... Uh, what's it? Dragon follower scams, right? Yeah, he has. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I hope that Matt puts a stop to that. That would be great. Yes. 
and, uh, then, and then a random old guy comes up to him and is like, oh yeah, this is who lives here, you know? <laughs> right. That was super suspicious. And this guy had been like tortured a lot, but I don't know if we... Do we have any idea who he is? I, I My first thought was Pat and Fane, but I know that's not It's the not. Case. I yeah, thought that about that. Matt would have recognized him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not him. Uh, well, except that they make a point of saying that Matt has lost big chunks of his memory from before. But I think it's only between him leaving Emmonsfield and after. So it, he, yeah. he'd probably recognize Pat. I think he would recognize him. My other thought was maybe it's this other dark friend that they're talking about, some street guy who's running the dark friend rings. Yeah, or later Jai yeah. Chinkirtan mentions Old Cully. Old Cully. But the description of him doesn't match. I think old, he says some things about Old Cully missing a bunch of teeth, and I don't think he... Yeah, yeah, and this guy didn't seem to be that. But this guy has a bunch of scars and seems shady as hell, and he was at the race track too, so he's either following the dark friend or he's following Matt. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's not great news, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, the right the dice in, in Matt's head start rolling, which usually means that an assassin somewhere has tripped and fallen on his knife. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally impaled himself on a spear or something. Oh, oh I'm dead. <laughs> Oh, by the way, all the stuff that just happened is exactly why NDA should be using that. Right? <laughs> he's not even trying. And he's like, already unearthed two or three rings of dark friends. Yeah. Exactly. He would, he, you know what? He was probably like fucking walking past that magic boulder trying to find. Yeah. Like, we go back and like, he saw this blue, really pr- pretty blue ball. <laughs> like, like, like in I, a I really need a wash bowl to wash my, my wash after I shave. So I picked a random bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like sitting in his hotel room and it has been for the last like, you know, two weeks or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, chapter 15, Insects, Icon of the Forest Naked. Uh, we get a POV from Jaya Jim Carradine, who seems to be under a lot of stress. Yeah, so I, I guess he's supposed to be capturing Elaine. Uh, yet another reason she shouldn't be in Abudar, by the way. He's, is that what he's doing? I think that's the idea. That's what I gathered, is that... It says Carrot, uh, Pedro Nial expects Carradin to snatch Elaine Tricand. Oh, right. Yeah, that's what Nial wants him to do, but his uh, forsaken masters want a different thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is a, a lot of pressure. And they find out that like Ishmael is dead, asterisk, but... <laughs> right. But the... Uh, his like orders are still being enacted to like kill Jayashim Karadin's family one by one until he oh, right, accomplishes oh, this thing. Oh, that's awful. I'd forgotten about that. It's so bad. Yeah, yeah. It's rough. <clears throat> right, because Ishmael, under the guise of Bialzaman, was the one who called all the dark friends into that room and gave them missions, right? Yeah. Yeah, we get a call back to Bors, too. Right. Yeah, the man who calls himself Bors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is Karadin? Right. And... He's trying to do his white cloak job, but he doesn't really care about that. He cares about the job that's killing his whole family. Well, I, does he have any family left? I think they're saying he's out of family, which means he should be dead by now. But Samael's like, I'm standing between you and your you know, inevitable whatever at the hands of Miradrile. Maybe not death, maybe something worse. Right, yeah. like yeah. Uh, we get some horrible, gory descriptions from Samael about what could happen to him. Yeah. Uh, but this lady, uh, Lady Shein... I think she's calling herself, is the dark friend. She reports to him. Uh, and I think this, is this the first time, one of the first times we've seen a dark friend who's actually doing pretty well for herself, I think? Because she's just like a Miller's daughter or something. She has an interesting story, a really interesting backstory for some rando. She was a Saddler's daughter. She went to the White Tower where she became evil when she was told she couldn't channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she started being a murder face. Yeah. And apparently a very good murder face. Yeah, an assassin of some kind. Yeah. Although she's not up to the task of 
taking out two sick farm boys in the <laughs> barn. Apparently, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't go very well. Yeah. So she and um, which one of the Forsaken was it who got really upset because she wasn't allowed to do research? She could only teach. Was that well, um, Masana? Masana, yeah. yeah. Masana. So man, these women who don't get to you know <laughs> do what they want to do. <laughs> That's right. It's you give them tenure or you pay the price. That's right. <laughs> So but he has her, I guess, on Samael's orders, looking for the objects of power. So everybody is looking for this, the objects of power in this city. Yeah, it, 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 we've heard of this from several other Forsaken and several of their, their flunkies, that there's some catch of Sa'angreal, Angreal, and Terangreal that everyone's convinced is in Ebudar. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where the bowl is, maybe it isn't, but, you know, yeah, everyone's looking for it. Yeah. It's, I also think it's interesting that uh, both Keridan and I think her name is Mealy something Mealy Vanilli. Yeah, Mealy Vanilli, the dark friend are addicts. Are they? Yes. Like Keridan is talking entirely about how he he are complete uh, constantly about how he really wishes he could have a drink. Oh He's, yeah. Oh yeah. And Mealy appears to be a gambling addict, which is why she's at the races and out of money. It's because she keeps using the money she's supposed to be using for her dark friend dues. To gamble. Oh, Interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good good um, thing to pick up on. Yeah, so I guess maybe that's like leverage that the that the dark one is using to to bring dark friends yeah. in. You know, mm-hmm. besides throwing their sisters to the mirror draw to be um, tortured. Well, you have to have a you have to have a carrot and a stick, right? <laughs> yeah, carrot <laughs> and not a stick. Yeah. <laughs> so he sees Matt across the street standing there in his like incredibly fancy coat staring at the mansion. Because <laughs> Matt is standing there staring at the mansion. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. And it activates some of Baalzaman's old like mind programming stuff. I was wondering, is that what that was? Because yeah, it's, it's yeah, almost like a, that? it's almost like a, a, a seeing or a vision, right? Yeah, I, I think that that's what Baalzaman did. Because remember, he gave them all orders and then they couldn't remember what the orders were. Oh. So he's like got this mind programming thing, and then he gets a surprise visit by Samael, who's the one having him look for the stuff. Yeah, who's you know Samael is, is of course the is running Ilian, but you know he can teleport, so he pops around and checks on people. I guess right. Yeah. So it's funny, and Samael kind of threatens him and struts around and you know scares him a bit, and he, Carradin mentions Matt to Samael, and Samael's like, oh hmm, but uh, yeah, don't do anything with him. We're not we're not going to mess with that right now. Yeah. And then after Samael leaves, Carradin immediately gives orders to go after Matt. And, Which is interesting, and yeah. And I thought, like... And the whole time he's thinking about how, like, you, you know, you nobody disobeys the Forsaken. Like, you'll it's the worst, worse than death or whatever. And then he, like, immediately does it. And I think what's going on here is that, that Baalzaman programming, right? He's yeah. thinking to himself, I can't disobey Samael, but then he has to because he's still got the programming in his head, you know? Yeah, so, so Baalzaman's command is probably to kill the three from yeah. the two rivers, right? right. So he's, what do you do when you're caught between two forsaken, right? Right. Yeah, with the one that gave you mental programming is the one that wins, right? Apparently, yeah. So I guess Samael is the stupid one again. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Samael. Yeah, so while Samael's there, he talks a little bit about uh, what's happening to Keridan's sister, how she was tortured and then eaten. Uh, Just in case we haven't mentioned it before, it sucks to be a dark friend, guys. (laughs) Don't be a dark friend. (laughs) Yeah. Or related to a dark friend. Or, well, yeah. Right, yeah. So chapter 16. A touch on the cheek. Icon of the flame of Tarvalon. 
So Matt goes to the palace to talk to Nynaeve's detective agency. Yeah, he adopts Rand's uh, walk right up and bluff your way until someone stops you. Then, <laughs> Which totally works. Yeah, it, gets, it, it works pretty well. Uh, he like does, everybody he meets gives him the side eye, but he's just like, yep, keep taking me in. <laughs> but it, it's funny because it feels like he gets caught in like a bureaucratic loop almost, right? Because uh-huh. he's like, he talks to some person like, oh, yes, that sounds important. Let me hand you off to this other person. And it just like goes on and on and on. Yeah, I know. He gets handed off to like eight people. This is really funny, you know, each person is a little bit older and a little bit more prestigious. And uh, it actually, it kind of reminded me, like, this is probably a Taveran thing, that he can just walk up to the front door, and these people don't know who he is, right? He specifically says, usually I go in through the stables. But he walks up to the front door, and, and the guards look him up and down, so I guess he's dressed nicely, and they're like, eh, I yeah. guess he could be a lord. But they totally let him in, and this is just like, kind of, well, it's kind of just like a mirror image of the... Of when Rand went into the palace in Camelot. That's exactly what I was thinking. Where he like climbed a wall and it, it happened to be the wrong wall and he falls off and bonks his head and, and meets the princess and eventually meets the queen and everybody. It kind of happens to Matt, right? And it all just sort of escalates all around him. But, but Matt is just like gung-ho. He's just charging straight into it. And none of it's really accidental. Yep. Only top Baron, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the dice are rolling in his head throughout these, these chapters. And he speaks some old tongue. He does, yeah. Uh, but I guess he gets ambushed by Aes Sedai in the halls. Yeah, yeah, the, by two sets of Aes Sedai. Yeah. Who grab him. First, the, the White Tower Aes Sedai come onto him really strong. Yes. Like, you should come to the tower and, be, and belong to us. <laughs> and, I mean, you got to be like ten times more subtle than this, or Matt is going to tell you to take a hike and maybe stab you with a spear. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's been known to do that. He has a reputation. Yeah. And they have a... a a fight over him. Yeah. We'll they like, literally grab him by the lapels. Yeah. I, I, I have to say, this is another one of those situations where I was having a lot of trouble keeping these names straight. Yeah. Because these are like third tier Aes Sedai at this point, right? <laughs> there's the two less important Aes Sedai who came along with NDA, and then there's the two uh, uh, emissaries from the White Tower who are not important because they're in trouble or something yeah. like that. Well, uh, yeah. Okay, so one of the Saladar Aes Sedai was the one that was just stationed there. Was oh. with the Stellar The two from the White Tower are the ones that were exiled by Elida. Okay, that's right. For pissing her off. But but they're exiled, but they're also like working for her still, right? Like they're yes. emissaries. But yes, they did piss her off, and they're sent there as punishment, essentially. Right. And they both tried to grab him because he's just a Taveran, and and I'm starting to find it hard to believe that these Aes Sedai really pull the strings and, and are the puppet masters because they're like, so inept. Yeah, like this. I mean, even a normal person would be super creeped out and want to get away from these people the way they're acting. And Matt is, you know, he's like a a, a drop of water on a hot griddle. Like, he, he can't pin him down. Mm-hmm. I feel like being, the, the problem is that being Aes Sedai is sort of like living life on easy mode. Like, people give you inherent respect for being Aes Sedai, so it doesn't actually matter if you're very good at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And they really do, like, think that they're gods, it seems like. They just have this level of arrogance that's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, and they, they, they just, t- yeah, you know, you're right. They take for granted that everyone's going to do what they say mm-hmm. regardless. And, and probably most people do, you know. There's a certain amount of reverence because, in a way, the Aes Sedai are, like, the, the religion of this world, right? Yeah. The thing is, do we ever actually get to see that, though? Like, we take their word for it that people are just going to follow themselves and immediately obey the Aes Sedai, but do we see that? I think we see that all the time with the, the, the common folk, right? Like this, this. I was gonna say nobles and stuff because they're here living in the palace, right? They just true. showed up and said, "We're gonna live here now." Yeah, there's. Okay. They don't need like a letter. They don't need approval. They're just like, "We're I said I," and they're like, "Okay, well, I guess that's." Yeah. So, so while, 
not everyone does exactly what they tell them to do. Everyone treats them with a certain amount of respect. And if you're below a certain station, you probably do whatever they say, no matter what, you know? Okay. I, I should also like to note at this point that Matt, throughout all of these chapters, constantly evaluates the breasts of most of the yes, women that he meets. Constantly. Noticed. Like, I, it's, it's getting a little silly. He's like, oh, and those are pretty good. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. those were real big. <laughs> yeah, those are, those are all right. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> like, Dude, Matt, come on, man. <laughs> Play it cool. I mean, he, does, he doesn't... I mean, maybe he is ogling at. How do we know what he's actually, you know, presenting himself as? But he doesn't hit on any of these people, really, right? Not intentionally, except that one, uh, that one serving woman who was leading him to the queen. Apparently, he gives her one of his patented smiles, <laughs> which doesn't work out, <laughs> unsurprisingly. He always thinks that this is his go-to smile for winning people over, but it never works. <laughs> I mean, he claims it works. He's like, oh, yeah, this works all the time. It's almost as good as flowers or something like that. It's <laughs> like nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, he's saved by a summons to the queen mm-hmm. uh, from this, this Aes Sedai fight. And uh, the queen is actually summoning him. And when he gets to see the queen, she gives him some paper to write a note for uh, Nynaeve and Elaine. The note is very funny because Matt is trying as hard as he can to write it as politely as possible. And it's basically like... Don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah, he's like trying to write this note. He's like, this is going to be super diplomatic. And it super isn't. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, morons. And he's like, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that works. Yeah, couldn't do better than that. Yeah. And then uh, Tylan and Matt have an encounter. Yeah, so he starts off by, that, as that Alice mentioned. Queen at, Tylan. Yes, the queen of, of Ebudar, which, you know, as queens go, isn't the most powerful queen. But she's still a queen, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to piss her off. Uh, but yeah, and it's, he starts this encounter by speaking the old tongue to her, and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that, <laughs> yeah. that's my speed. I like that. <laughs> and Matt's like, shit! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, he of course, he has his signet ring that he uses right then and there. Uh, right, yeah. The fox chasing the, the birds. <laughs> yeah, the random signet ring. He's got like a fox theme going, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's a fox, I guess. Yeah. Uh, speaking of him being a fox, Tylan is all over him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This feels like a little bit of a, a mat trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she, he's trying not to stare at her boobs. Way to go, Matt. Right decision, but she's making it hard. Uh, <laughs> so to speak. So to speak. <laughs> and, and then her son comes in, and she's like, oh, that's great. Uh, While she's like, in my opinion, coming on to him really strong, she's like, and you can be best friends with my son. Yeah. I, this is, this is, and I her mean, son comes in like, yeah, the duel didn't go very good. I had to kill the guy. And she's like, oh, yeah, you know, that Yeah, and then she's like, okay, well, don't fuck his widow. <laughs> I really like the Ebudari. Yeah, Ebudari customs, man. Yeah, nice fight. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, well, don't fuck his widow because then you'll have to either marry her or kill all her brothers. <laughs> it seems like killing all the brothers is the preferable yeah. too, apparently. It's like, so enjoy being best friends, kids. Yeah, this is this is a pretty pretty good one. It's pretty fun. Yeah, this is... I'm interested to see what you guys think of where this is going. Uh, I mean, is he going to hook it up with the queen? Because that seems like that's where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so this, this signet ring, is there any significance to this other than the fact that it's the fox and the birds and possibly the, the moon thing that Alice mm-hmm. pointed out? Not that I know of, except that he picked it out randomly. So something... Of course it's going to be It's going to happen, right? Yeah. I was wondering if maybe it was supposed to be kind of like a slight like Odinic thing because you know, it's like the, 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 the twin birds maybe okay so I believe that there is a lot of the Odin myth in Matt yeah mm-hmm. 
like the being hung uh, for knowledge off a tree that's totally Odin yeah uh, the knowledge coming in the forms of memory and sacrificing for that knowledge that's totally Odin right he sacrifices existing memory for the, like the, the knowledge like this really powerful set of knowledge that, that makes him this amazing leader mm-hmm. and I think the I, I don't remember what the inscription is but the thing that's written on his spear is like totally like an Odin thing right yeah and there, about, there's two ravens on the spear that's right mm-hmm. yeah yeah, the Odin is like, what is it? The something, something, something. The the debt is paid, the price is paid. Yeah, something like that. Whatever. Yeah, but but yeah, like Odin is. What was it? Wasn't Odin like pinned to the world tree by a spear or something like that? And yes. Like that's exactly like. And then Matt was hung from this the the tree of life or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, so. yeah. So he's, he's totally Odin. Yeah. The trickster. Even the trickster. though, yeah, you're right. It was the two ravens, but I was trying to remember where have we heard about two bird imagery before our men saw two birds was it around Perrin the that, hawk and the yeah and the falcon yes. was I, that Perrin okay yeah I think it's a, a little yeah di- different birds okay but, yeah but, yeah unless it's unless but, these but, are the birds but we have seen imagery I think it was Egwene dreaming about a uh, raven plucking out Mac's eye mm. oh interesting well there you go that's yeah. another Odin thing yeah, right? another Odin thing yeah. yeah so I mean I don't I do not have any foreknowledge of this in the books but I wouldn't count on Matt being a two-eyed person for the seems, extent of these books. It seems likely that one of these, one of those eyes is going to go. Yeah. I'll take your word for it. All I know about Odin is from American Gods. Mm, yeah. So well, I mean, that you that, learn about a lot of a that, lot about that's Odin. Pretty, it's a pretty good way to learn about it, actually. Yeah. That's a good rendition. So, chapter 17, The Triumph of Logic. Icon of the Black Aja. Matt heads back to the inn. Uh, after this weird encounter, oh yeah, I met the queen. Queen wanted to bone me. She wanted me to be best friends with her son. Whatever. <laughs> so, I got other stuff to deal with. Yeah, I'm just gonna go now. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, he meets with his guys. I know. Uh, Vannon is here. <laughs> I love his guys. I love Vannon especially. You love these guys, the horse trader, the horse thieves. I and love the, these guys. The, and the thieves that the horse thieves think are the, the best the, thieves the, and whatever. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. Uh-huh. And how he's just this like fat guy and like super unassuming, right? Yeah, yeah. But he's like. But you know, like, this is Ebudari, and people are always starting shit with you in Ebudar, but they never start shit with him. Yeah. Huh. It's funny. Yeah, even in Ebudar, nobody fucks with Vanden. <laughs> right. Like, what is the deal with this dude? Uh, he, yeah, I don't know. Like, like I have trouble picturing him, because like, his description is so incongruous. He's just like, they talk about he's just like big, and like, like his, his, he's like overflowing from his clothing, and just like taking up a bunch of space, and like, he's, well, he sits like a bag of sweat, or whatever, it's like... It doesn't sound very imposing, but somehow nobody messes with this guy. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Maybe he just has like a really evil face. <laughs> right. And uh, he sets Vannon to go watch Caradon, which is pretty good, because Vannon is super good at yeah. stealth. Yeah, he's the person who's not going to get spotted by Caradon's... <laughs> p- sp- he he worries about him. Ulver, who's, uh, I guess, hanging out with a lady in the barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he pinched some woman's butt, I guess. And right. So she- Spanked him. And Matt has absolutely no self-awareness. I know. He's like, yeah, I wonder where he gets all this. Yeah, he's hanging out with these soldier guys too much. <laughs> like, dude, Matt. And this is, I mean, it was, what was it, like an hour ago that you were thinking about how many times you've you've had good times with women in bars? Yeah. <laughs> I know. This is like a page out of Matt's playbook. <laughs> right. Yep. Matt goes upstairs and there's an attack on him. Some dudes try to grab him. Yeah. And Matt's luck saves him yet again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he lucks out. Here's one of the guys coming and... Stabs them both to death. Yeah, like, I mean, I get it, but 
You know, this isn't the kind of inn where you can just go knifing people in the halls, okay? Well, apparently it is, though, because <laughs> yeah. the, the inn mistress shows up and is like, oh, okay, yeah. sure, all right, it's like, yeah, right. bodies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, maybe in Ebu Dar it's, like, not a big deal. You know, people die all the time. Yeah, right? This, there aren't bloodstains in this inn, so they must clean up after it when it happens. And then, and then the inn mistress shows up and is like, well, that's pretty weird. They got this big empty box, and I don't know why they would attack you. And Matt's like, oh, I don't know. They must be trying to rob me or something. <laughs> I know. I was, I was like, a big empty box, eh? So the whole... Right, the guy was clubbing you? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I think they were going to put Matt in that box. Yeah, right, but Matt does not care to put that together at all. He's <laughs> like, this situation is done. I'm done with this. On to the next thing. <laughs> He's like, yeah, they're probably going to put treasure in the box or something after they robbed me. That's probably what they're going to do. <laughs> so, so we don't know who sent these people for sure, right? Like, it seems like this is, probably isn't Keridin because Keridin would have be, would be telling them to kill him, not capture him. Maybe they're going to catch him and then kill him somewhere else? Maybe, yeah. It seems like a lot of work. To I, we have no idea because Matt killed them both. That's right. <laughs> Hard to, hard to interrogate someone yeah. who's super and dead. Then he finds a mysterious note slipped into his pocket, telling him to warn Elaine and Nynaeve. And he's like, who could that have been? And, I mean, I guess it could have been a lot of people, but maybe it was the queen? Maybe? I don't know why she would do that. Oh. That's what it seemed like to me, especially because I thought it was very weird that she gave him paper to leave a note for them. So I thought that was a distraction oh, technique. I, I thought it was the uh, the White Tower Aes Sedai, Jolene, and Teslin who had grabbed him by the lapels. Oh, yeah, it could be them too. That's who he thinks it is for sure. But I thought maybe that was a red herring and it was actually the, the queen. But yeah, I guess we don't know. Oh, Someone slipped yeah. that in his pocket. He's been were... running through crowds this whole time. So. That's also true. It could have been like literally anyone on the street, right? <laughs> it could have been the old that, uh, the creepy old beggar guy on the street, right? Yeah. 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 Do not know. Mysteries within mysteries. That's Nothing right. makes sense. And, uh, and Matt is not the person to unravel these mysteries. No, that is not his forte. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he might figure it out by accident, though, you know? Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I feel like he should just go out on the street and start throwing knives in random directions. <laughs> and he'll probably kill all the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, throw them straight up in the air? <laughs> right. And wherever they land? It's probably probably yeah, problem solved. Where it lands, friend, right? I didn't know I was in the middle of a dark friend convention. <laughs> <laughs> so then we cut to Jolene and Teslin, who are meeting about how much they hate Elida. Elida I know, I, I, like Elida's reps and Ebudar also hate her. You know, yeah. Which, so they're not really doing Elida any favors. They're not communicating with her at all. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I, my my first read on them was like, oh, they're like funneling information or they're going to capture these people and take them back but they're just they're, they're just there right? yeah, they're, they're stuck they're, there one of them says kind of explicitly like Elida sucks so we're just going to wait like everybody hates her we're just going to wait here until she falls yeah one, I guess one of them is has some idea that maybe she'll capture the the, the two uh, capture India and, and Matt to like win Elida's uh, favor I suppose but the yeah. other one's like fuck that right yeah screw that which is a, a good plan because people who capture Elaine and Nynaeve end up bad. Yeah, I, I was, was going to say, like, this, the, the note that this ends on sounds a little bit like someone's going to, you know, do something. But yeah, no. Yeah. And then we cut to Falion and Ispan, who are the two of the... Remember those Black Aja people? Remember those people? Yeah. Again, a callback. So, so remember they were the original, was it 13 uh, Black, Black Aja. Aja who left the White Tower and have been whittled away over time by various encounters with various people. <laughs> yeah. These are the ones that Mogedian sent after, because back when Mogedian was not captured yet, and she was posing as a serving woman working for the 
uh, she was Galena. Was her what was her name Galena or something like that? I can't remember. Galena. Uh, was that Mogedian's name as a serving woman? I, it, I've anyway. forgotten. It doesn't matter. Yeah, back in um, where was this? In in Tanchico. In Tanchico, when they were living in that little mansion together, their serving woman was Mogedian. Yes, I remember that. Now. And then she okay. then she reveals herself and sends them all on these little missions. These two. Are from that that original right, command. and they've been yes. given orders to find that cache of power objects. Yeah, and they're not having any luck, and they haven't heard from Megadian because, because she's been a wizard battery. <laughs> right, but they're still going forward with the plan, which apparently involves just torturing people to try and asking them if they know where some magic artifacts are. So far, not working out very well. Very I mean, bad. they're torturing people just fine, but they haven't found much information. Yeah, but this was like two books ago, right? Like this is a long time ago that they got sent on this mission. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Like that was in Tenshiko. That was yeah. That was two books ago. Yeah. Anyway, um, they decide to go after Elaine and Nynaeve instead because they can't find the the stuff, and then so I guess happy with them. So I guess this Lucent is getting tied up because going after Nynaeve. You're right. Yeah. Usually tells <laughs> him one thing but or another. Ispan actually says like, like, I, are you sure we should go after them? Like, even Mogedian got messed up when she went after them, and. <laughs> She's like dead on right. Yeah, that that is correct. Yes. And like Falion is keeps thinking like, well, I'm the logical one. She's like emotional and stuff, but like she's right. That's the logical conclusion. Do not mess with Nynaeve. <laughs> yeah. What happened the last like both times Mogedian has gone against Nynaeve, it has not gone well for her. First time she almost died. Second time, well, you know. Yeah, wizard battery. Wizard battery. But uh so that's that's that. Yeah. And then we cut to somebody who's watching the Black Ajas. Those two people we just talked about? Yes. And this one I was having trouble with. Like, is this someone we're supposed to recognize? I was I, racking my brain because it's like uh, long knives, missing memories. I don't know. I have no idea. The only people I can think of that are missing memories are Matt and Patton Fane. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Patton had his brain scrambled. Yes. This it is not Patton Fane. Doesn't probably me. not Matt. I mean, probably not Matt. Matt Maybe does not. like knives. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't know if this is someone's, someone we're supposed to know who it is, but it didn't... Uh... I, I think this is the guy that warned Matt. Remember the, the old guy with lots of scars? Oh, so maybe this is a new character that we're adding to the <laughs> the list. Well, it's got to be somebody we know about because they've got no memory. And it, what's the point of them having no memory if it's not somebody we know about? That's a good point. Yeah. But it's not somebody that Matt recognizes. I don't think we have any other clues of this. It's a, it's a real short and uh, I, I don't think it's old Cully. I don't think it's old Cully, but it could be old Cully. Yeah. But, I don't know, a bunch of mysteries. This this whole chapter was just mystery over mystery over mystery. Yeah. But uh, Matt's having a great old time in Ebudar. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think this may be my favorite book so far. Really? And I do not say that lightly. Wow. Yeah. I'm having a great time with it. And I, I don't know if it's because we're, we're hitting a stride where, uh, at this point, we know enough that... There's a lot of a lot of depth to it, or if it's just that this this has a lot of action in it. But yeah, I'm having yeah. a great time with this book. So certainly, I remember Crown of Swords not being very good, like part of the the bad series, the bad part of the series. Yeah, the, but yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this. It's good. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if it just kind of got lumped together because I lost track of how many people have said like, oh, they start getting so bad around book six, usually, yeah. right? But. This has been great. Like, yes, the last book was rough, but this is fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe the next book is going to be terrible. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. I think if you're actually trying to keep track of the names and who everybody is, this is really hard. Yeah. Sure. It helps that we are here as a a collective memory of who the fuck we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, if I were trying to do this by myself, as I mentioned, that, that one encounter in the palace with the 
four or five? There were five of them. The five it I was, Okay, I can do this. It was Jolene, Teslin on the, the White Tower side, uh-huh. and on the uh, Saladar side, it was Merilil, who is the Aes Sedai who was already in Ebudar. Which explains why I couldn't figure out. I was like, I don't know this name very well. Yes, it. she's new. Yeah. And uh, it was Adelius, who Matt refers to as Van Dien for the entire chapter in his head because he can't tell them apart. Because they're twins. Because right? they're sisters. Yeah, they're, little. they're sisters. They're real yeah. sisters. Uh, but we find out at the end it's Adelius. Okay. Which is supposed to be a joke if you know who the hell these people are. <laughs> who are the same people that were those researchers that helped Moraine like six books ago. Oh, oh shit, I forgot about used, that. They used to live on their own, right? That's yeah, right. I like forgot they were. Or <laughs> yeah, because one of them was a brown Aja and one of them was a. A green Aja. A green Aja. But they're both researchers. Right. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about See, them. See, this is why we keep you around, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> and the fifth one, oh my god, I can't remember who that was. You get an 80%. Was, I get this well, it was, wasn't it Van Dien? Or no? No, it wasn't Van Dien because it was, it was only one of the sisters was there. Oh, I it, thought it was, the sisters came along with them. They did, but she wasn't there. Then. Oh, okay, okay. And there was another one who was one of the people sent from Saladar. Oh, there's another person who sent? Is. Yes. I thought we were totally keeping track. This, see, this is the problem. There's a lot of names. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. That helped. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't actually matter, right? It's just, you can call them Aes Sedai 1, 2, and 3 from the White Tower and Aes Sedai 1, 2, and 3 from Saladar. Well, it does and it doesn't. It doesn't matter in the big scheme of things, probably. But it also does matter if you're trying to, like follow these threads that Robert Jordan writes in because he because these characters do have like a, a continuing arc right yeah even these these side characters that don't matter as you mentioned these are characters we've met before and we know information about them which could inform us as to what they're doing right <laughs> possibly hopefully mm-hmm. so yeah it, it helps but yeah certainly difficult and maybe not not necessarily required yeah in a TV show these all of these characters will be compressed into like one character right which I guess we'll see what they do with the TV show. Yeah. This will be a very uh, interesting cast otherwise. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to talk about chapters 18 through 21 of Crown of Swords. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter or Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I'm Michael Sparkman. I don't have any of those things. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time, the, the light, light illumine you. you.